Hi there, this is Harry. Welcome back to Advanced English Lessons with Harry, where I try to help you to get a better understanding of the English language, to help you with your conversational skills, your business English skills, interview skills, whatever your goals are, we're here to help. And for those of you and your friends or family who want one-to-one -one lessons, well, you know what to do. Just get in touch, www.englishlessonviaskype.com and you can apply for a free trial lesson and we'd be very happy to hear from you and very happy to help you. And today we're going to do something a little bit different. Quite a few of you have been asking recently about how can you, how can they improve their writing skills? As I always tell students, speaking and writing skills are very, very different, two very different skill sets altogether. When you're speaking, it's of course important to be correct and polite, but often when we speak something, it's forgotten about quite quickly. Unfortunately, when we write something, it's there on record, particularly if we're using email or some other form of text, it's there for people to see and they can read it several times and therefore mistakes become a little bit more obvious and we have to be really, really careful. And we also have to be really careful how we write so we might be misinterpreted. Of course, we can be misinterpreted when we speak, but again, when it's written down, it's a little bit more in your line of view and people can comment and remark on it. So there are different skills needed. When we're speaking to people, we're often speaking to our friends and colleagues and making little mistakes is not really so important as long as we are fluent. When we're writing, it can be a formal report, it can be a letter for a job interview, whatever it happens to be, we really have to be more accurate. We have to be accurate with our spelling, punctuation, but we also have to be uh, careful with the sort of words that we use. Now, there are lots and lots of platforms available and apps to, to help you. I mean, two of them would be just Google Translate and Grammarly. Lots of you use them, I know that, and uh, they can be very useful at times, but be really, really careful, okay? Because particularly with Google Translates, it will give you a literal translation. And with English, there are so many different words you can use. And if you've been watching and listening to my uh, particular lessons over the last uh, wee while, you'll begin to understand that there are lots of synonyms for different words, but not all of them can be used in substitution. So you have to be really careful with literal translations because they can look a little bit silly, a little strange, and not what you perhaps intended when you use it, okay? With Grammarly, Usually it's correct, but I have noticed, because I, I, I use it just to check it with my students, that from time to time it can actually throw up the wrong answer. There may be little twists and variations that you have, and unless you're a native speaker, you won't know what they are. So again, just be careful if you use Grammarly. So my recommendation is not to use either of them, to struggle on at the beginning, to if you make mistakes, okay, you make mistakes, but when you get corrected by somebody, a professional teacher, well, then you're more likely to remember rather than relying on Grammarly or Google Translate. Okay, so I've got a 10-point plan here that will improve your writing. It will help you to improve your writing beyond what you would have expected. It takes time, but a lot of the students that I help, and I have a specific course that I do with them, that 
after a few weeks and a few exercises that I give them, it, you'd be surprised, really, really surprised how quickly their written skills and the writing they do can improve and quite dramatically. So number one, start with short and simple sentences. I mean, this sounds really, really school type approach, but it really does work. Lots of people come to me and they want to write really complex sentences or when they do send me a sentence there's no full stop there's no ending to it it goes on and on and the problem with that is if you don't have a proper control on those sentences you lose control of it you lose the point that you're trying to say and there'll be many many more grammar mistakes than you had intended so at the very beginning until you get a little bit more professional in your writing start with short and simple sentences a short simple structure okay and then you can build up and then when you build up you'll see where you can make improvements and where you can make it a little bit more complex but start with short simple and i have this k-i-s-s keep it short and simple keep it short and simple k-i-s-s a general rule of thumb that I use, if you want to state some facts, give some facts, then use short sentences. You know, if you're giving data, use short sentences. If you want to describe something like the cow in the field or the dog in the park, you can use longer sentences because you're going to use a lot more adjectives to describe what you see. The long green shoots of new spring grass, okay, or the short-legged barking dog you know whatever it might be you're going to use a lot more descriptive words and therefore with those type of descriptions you can afford to use longer sentences but when you're using facts the population of the country is 1.5 million full stop there are 50% uh, of the population employed and 30% of the population under the age of 18 full stop short simple sentences facts okay moving on to point number two focus on getting your sentences correct and brush up on your grammar so really really important at a very early stage to eliminate grammar mistakes if you eliminate the grammar mistakes, then you can move on and start building those complex sentences that we spoke about. You can start adding adjectives. But if you've got a lot of grammar mistakes, like the wrong preposition, not using the articles or using the wrong tense, then you know no matter how far you go, your English, written English will always be poor. So we want to eliminate those mistakes at a very early stage. So focus on getting the correct grammar in all of your sentences. Make sure if you're going to use the present perfect, that it's the right tense to use. If you're using the present continuous, it's the right tense to use. So, and as I said before, you get away with it when you're speaking, you won't get away with it when you're writing. Number three, read as much and as often as you can. Apart from enjoyment, you'll see and understand the structure of sentences. You'll see and understand the difference between a sentence in the written format and a sentence in the spoken format, okay? You'll get to understand how people vary how you begin a sentence to change the way it's written to make it more enjoyable for the reader, to make it more interesting to write and to avoid repetition. So read as much and as often as you can of course books in english if you're writing in english so to see how authors do it but 
don't don't read classic books so much. I mean, they're really beautiful books by Charles Dickens or Bronte or whoever it might be that you've got an interest in. By all means, read them. But remember that you're writing now in the 21st century. So the books you should be reading if you want to improve on your written skills should be those books that were also written in the 20th and 21st centuries because, you know, it's really show you modern English, modern conversation English, how we use reported speech and other aspects. And it's really, really important to, to read, to look at and to learn. Okay. What you can also do, point number four, is to keep a diary. Okay, now the diary is really important and this will help you to write short stories in English. So if you keep a diary, you get used to writing. So it might be a diary, just a few sentences about what you do every day, or it might be a diary about what you see every day, but it's a great way to practice. Now, it might be handwritten diary, or, but of course you can use modern technology and you can record it as a Word document, so it makes life a, a little bit easier. But it's just something that you can refer back to and something you can use when you want to write short stories. So you should always try and keep a notepad handy when you're reading a book or you're looking at the internet because you might want to write down or to capture really interesting sentences in a book that you hadn't heard of or a group of words or a collocation that you've seen that the author has used that might be quite interesting for you. So you can record that, write it down and you can use it later on. Okay. And this is called sentence mining. Okay. So to sentence mining is to find interesting collocations, find interesting groups of words, find interesting combinations and sentences that you could use to your advantage later on. I'll say sentence mining, keep that in your diary and keep a, a notepad where you can uh, keep a record. Number five, avoid translating from your native or mother tongue into English. This always causes problems. What it causes is a hesitation. It also causes you to use incorrect words and then you stop and you start and you get no fluency. So try to think in English. Okay. It might take you a little bit longer. Okay. Often when we're doing written exercises with my students, I ask them, how long did it take you to write that? And you know, if I've given them a short story to write or uh, an essay of a couple of hundred words, it shouldn't really take more than 25 to 30 minutes. But often it will take the early learners 40, 45, 50 minutes, 60 minutes. That's okay. Don't worry about the time it takes you at the beginning. It's much more important to get it accurate. Okay. But the more you practice to think in English, then the less time you will take to write it. So you'll start thinking and using the words. You'll start thinking and using the collocations. You'll start thinking and putting the correct structure on your sentences. So try to avoid thinking in your native tongue. Try to think in English. Write in English, speak in English, think in English. Okay, number six. Now, here's an important point. When you're writing, particularly from a business perspective, if you're writing a proposal or if you're writing a memo or you're writing a position paper, whatever it happens to be, be aware of the audience who's going to read it. When I uh, was a bit younger and I was writing, I was always have in mind that I'd expect 
the most senior person in my office, my boss or his boss, to read. And they may not, of course, but I always imagined that they would be reading it and therefore I'd want to write the best I could possibly write. Not just to scribble down something, not just to throw a few words together, but to write something as clearly and as specific as I could be. Okay, so I would focus on the grammar. I would focus on making sure that I had the correct structure in my sentence. I would focus on avoiding repetition because I and and also punctuation. My old boss really, really, really didn't like bad punctuation. So to make sure that you focus on those things, to expect that the person, the most important person that's in your office, you expect them to read it, and that will help you to focus and produce better written papers, better written documents better written emails, okay? Number seven, this is important, particularly in writing. We have to be really, really careful about the language that we use. Now, I don't mean here about good and bad language on swear words. Of course, you shouldn't use them, particularly in a written format, but the register, okay? Whether we're talking about formal or informal, really, really important, okay? If we're writing a business proposal, a business paper, we should always write it in a formal way. If we're replying to a client, unless the client has asked us to be informal, then we should be more formal than informal. If we're writing emails to a colleague in the next floor, well then, of course, we can be informal in that way. We don't have to write everything so formal. So be aware and focused on the level or lack of formality in your written papers, in your written emails, in your written letters, whatever it might be. Just be really, really conscious of that. Be conscious of how you address somebody. You know, if it's somebody you don't know and you don't know the name, dear sir. If it's somebody that you're, if you're writing a letter of complaint, then it's going to be yours faithfully at the end, not, you know, not best wishes or anything like that. So really be conscious of who you're writing to, be conscious of why you're writing to them, and be conscious of whether it's going to be formal or informal and get that right and correct structure. When we're talking about structure, point number eight is to make sure that you do actually have a structure in mind. You know, often when people start to write, they just start writing and they've no idea who they're going to write to, why they're writing to them, and more importantly, how they're going to structure it. So have a think about it before you write, before you put pen to paper, before, before you type anything. Think about the reasons why you're writing this email. Is it a letter of complaint? So what should be the, the sense of it, okay? The, the temperature of your, of your letter. Or you're writing a letter to congratulate somebody, so how should you write that? If you're writing an invitation, how should you write that? Okay, so really think about it. And then when you're thinking about that, what should be the tone? Is it formal, informal? Is it pleasant? Is it complaining? Are you going to be really strong? Are there going to be soft words? How are you going to write that? So when you get that in your mind, then you can start writing. And you'll find that there'll be a much better flow of words because you'll have given it some thought. So have in mind that you're going to have an introduction. For example, if we're going to write a letter of complaint, we want to tell the person at the very beginning why we are writing to them. We are writing to you to complain about something. 
okay? Then tell them what you're complaining about. Tell them why you're complaining. It didn't work when you bought it, you took it back to the shop, they wouldn't replace it, etc., etc. So set out particularly and specifically what your complaints are. And then when you come to the end, tell them specifically what you want to happen. I want this product to be replaced. I want it to be replaced immediately. I want my money back. I want whatever you want. You have to set it out and tell them, okay? And then you just sign it and you may give them instruction. I would expect to get a reply within two days, within three days, by next week. Tell them exactly when you expect to get a response. So when you have that in your mind, and you can picture it in your mind, it's much easier for you to set it out on paper because you can see it, okay? So don't go into something blindly. Think about it, think about the words, think about the tone, think about the, the tense, and then commit it to paper, okay? And then you're in a much better shape. Now, when you've written something like that, particularly if it's a letter of complaint, what I would suggest is that you write it and then you walk away from it for 30 minutes, go back to it and read it and see, are you happy with the way you've written it? Because you might have written it much too uh, formal or you might have written it in a much more hurtful tone than you intended or you might, it might be too harsh, okay? So what you don't want is to write something, press the button and send it without checking it because there are bound to be mistakes in it, particularly if it's not your native language, okay? So you should really give yourself a little bit of time to check it, to read it, and then to send it. Particularly if you're talking about job offers, if you're writing a covering letter for a job interview or a covering letter for a position or a place in university, don't, please don't write it and expect that they will be happy if it's full of mistakes. I wouldn't if I got it. And I doubt that the university will be happy because, you know, they're going to assess you on your English ability. And if your written letter going into them is badly written, well, it's not going to reflect so well on you. Okay. Now, Point number nine then is to perhaps take an English class if you need one to work on some of these points that I've mentioned. Indeed, you could do with a second pair of eyes to look at your written work, somebody that can help you, somebody can set you assignments. What I do with the, the students I have, I start them off, as I said, with some simple English. I get them to write sentences that will enable me to identify and point out mistakes. And then I'm able to structure how the future written lessons should go. Okay, so then when I've gone on from the simple examples, I might give them just four words. For example, there was a bird sitting on the wall. Then I ask them just to write a little story around that, 80 words, 100 words, and you'd be surprised the mistakes people make. You'd be surprised how they lack adjectives to describe what the bird looked like, but then we can build up. So we correct the first six or seven sentences, increase or improve the adjectives we use. And then after several attempts, we have a really good descriptive passage or short story to describe the bird sitting on the wall or the man standing beside the lamppost outside the house. Yeah, so just simple situations, but enables you to write in a professional way after a while, in a structured way after a while. You've avoided repetition. This is the really, really key 
problem with writing is how much repetition there is. And the reason why there is a need for repetition is the fact that the vocabulary is limited. If, if you don't have more adjectives or more verbs or nouns, well, of course, there's going to be repetition. And it's not your fault. It's just you need a teacher that's going to help you. Not to use change, 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 think, 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 persuade, persuade, persuade. You have to use other words to change, to alter, to amend, to adjust, to think, to contemplate, to mull over. Yeah? You need other words, other expressions that will help you to write in a much better, clearer and informed way. So that's number nine. Take an English class with a recognized teacher and have another person review that work, particularly if it's a job application, if it's an application for a university course, these are really the critical times when you want your written English to be as good as it possibly can. And the final point, feel free in the lessons to make mistakes. If you don't make mistakes, you don't make anything. I'm absolutely guarantee everybody who started off, certainly with me in their, in their written English, I allow them the flexibility to just write and write. Don't worry about mistakes. Mistakes can be corrected. The problem is if you don't have any thoughts, any ideas to start with. All the issues about repetition, all the issues about unknown words, all the issues about wrong prepositions, don't worry about it. Put them down, see how you feel, and then the teacher will help you to improve that, how to squeeze out those little mistakes that you make. And you'll, you'll begin to enjoy your writing. You'll begin to see for yourself where you have repetition. You'll begin to self-correct. And those are the really key critical steps that you'll have to take when you want to improve your writing. Okay, so that's my 10-point plan, how you can improve your basic writing skills. They're not, uh, and it isn't rocket science, a lot of it is common sense, but unless you know it, you can't do it, okay? So you have to apply it. So have a look at the 10 points that I've made. If you need any help, if you want any suggestions, please come back to me. Really, really important, as I said, is to read as much as you can. It's great to read. They don't have to be huge books, but just to read on a frequent and regular basis, it will really help you. Okay, so I hope that this particular lesson, my 10-point plan, will help you. I look forward to reading your good English in the future. If you need anything else, please ask me. You can contact me on English lesson via Skype. Very happy to help you and very happy to hear from you. And as always, join me for the next lesson. Mm -hmm.